We'd like to invite the Daly family to come up and lead us in our Advent wreath lighting. Come on up. Rob, Lisa, Taylor, and Abby. Let us pray. Lord, we thank you for your son, Jesus, as he saved us all from our sins. Mm -hmm. um, I thank you that everyone got here safely, and I pray that people learn um, your name and that we all make it home safe. Mm -hmm. Amen. Amen. People walking in darkness have seen a great light. On those living in the land of deep darkness, a light has dawned. Isaiah 9-2. Why do we light the fourth candle? The fourth candle reminds us that God demonstrated his love by sending his son Jesus to be born in a manger and suffer and die for our sins so we may live forever with him. John 3.16 says, For God loved the world. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. All right. All right. Thank you very much. So, I don't know where the mute is on these. <laughs> well, uh, as you know, we've been in a series called The Naughty List. Thank you, David. Uh, and thank you, Daily Family, for doing that for us. Uh, we, um, just kind of as a side benefit uh, to this, you know, there are always those things, those issues, those things that come up where we ask why. Why is, why did this happen? Why did that happen? And uh, it, it, if anything, it helps us to understand the world uh, it doesn't make us necessarily feel better to know why, why there are struggles, why there are wars and so forth, but it, it at least gives us a reason uh, for that. And it, it also helps us understand the worldview of many people. For example, I was uh, kind of in a little histor historical mood and I wanted to watch some documentary and I saw something on, on John F. Kennedy. And, and this documentary was so glowing for JFK. And, and I don't know what your opinions on him. I mean, I was a baby when he was, when we lost him, uh, but, uh, he, he was almost savior like the way they presented him. And they said, it's too, in fact, they said, it's too bad. He was taken from us because we would have had world peace. I thought, wow, that's a lot to put on somebody's shoulder because he himself is on the naughty list as we're all on the naughty list. So how is he going to accomplish that? And that's not to take any way, anything away from President Kennedy. It just means we can't do that kind of stuff. There's always going to be someone causing wars and problems around the globe. And, but, but you see, the worldview is we're basically good. And if we all just tune into our basically basic goodness, then we'll all be good. But we're not. And so that's why we have these issues. It's not a pessimistic view. It's actually a realistic view 
of the world and what we're living in. Uh, if, you're, if you're interested in reading more about that in the scriptures, read Ecclesiastes about what the world is like. It's a very realistic view. And what we're going to look at today is kind of the answer for the naughty list. But as we look at ourselves and we look at our own sin and the depth of it all, and, and it seems like we're over something and then we're not, you know, it's kind of like looking at a, a, a big project, like a huge mess in a room. It's like, where do you start? I'm like that with my basement right now. It's like, where do I start with, with this? And you just got to kind of do one thing at a time and you'll get there. Uh, maybe you're refurbishing a home or a car and it's such a mess. You just, I don't know where to begin. Uh, we, we dealt with this on a monthly basis with our son, Mike, when he was little. He has like several cowlicks on, on his head. And, and the barber, we take him to the barber and sit him in the chair. And the, almost every time the barber would just look at him. And we said, just do your best. Okay, because it was so confusing. There was no kind of rhythm <laughs> or current to his hair. It was just a mess. And so it, we feel that way when we think of our own sin, our own naughtiness, so to speak. But when we consider the depth and darkness and depravity of our sin, we, again, we feel that same tension. So yes, there are people, as we, re- we saw a couple for a couple of weeks, there are people, there are actions, there are things that God actually hates. Is, is someone, though, doomed to be the object of God's hate and wrath? Well, of course not. In fact, we know that it's because of his steadfast love out of his grace in a New Testament sense, we could be taken off the naughty list. But when we, again, on the other hand, when we see ourselves and we see the world, it's it makes me wonder, why, why didn't God like flood the earth over and over again? Because you know, now I, I know there's a promise of the rainbow, but, but oh my goodness, he's been so gracious and long-suffering with all peoples. So how do we get off of that list? We're actually going to be in the Old Testament. I know it kind of it was sounding like a New Testament message, but it's nothing new. The New Testament didn't bring this idea out of the blue. It's in the Old Testament as well. We're going to look at a psalm. It's actually one of the longer psalms, but we're not going to look at the whole one, just a part of it, Psalm 107. It's, it's an anonymous psalm. It doesn't tell us who wrote it. You know, other psalms that will say the Psalm of David or Asaph or, or others, but this one has no author listed for it. But it starts with a call. <clears throat> It starts with a command for all the people. And it says, let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Do you remember singing that? It used to be a very popular church course. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Let the, and we'd sing it like 14 times, right? And, and then it's like, just would you say so already after that? But um, it, it, that's where it's from. It's from Psalm 107, verse 2. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Now, here's what happens after that. There are stanzas. There are verses, just like we have in our songs, in this particular psalm. And, and, and you, can, you can go through and you can see each of these stanzas because they start with some key words. It's like a little mini story. And it starts off with, 
two simple words, some were. And it's going to describe some people that were going through a very difficult time and how the Lord redeemed them. And so the idea is, let all of these different groups of people say so. Say what the Lord has done for them. So again, we'll just look at one of those mini stories today. But there's, there's one at verse 4, verse 10, verse 17, and verse 23. We're actually going to look at the one that starts at verse 17. So who are these redeemed in this psalm? Verse 17 and 18. Some were fools through their sinful ways. And because of their iniquities suffered affliction. They loathed any kind of food. They drew near to the gates of death. Did you see that? Some were fools. This is the group that's going to be redeemed by the Lord. They were made foolish by their own sinful ways. And let's face it, it's our sin, it's our, our, those times when we leave God's uh, direction for our life that it gets us into trouble. And sin, they're also called fools, sin sucks the wisdom out of people. I don't know if you, if you ever you've, you tried to talk to your kids or your family member and you, and you ask that great question, what were you thinking? I said, and they, they said, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. It just seemed like the right thing to do at the time. What were you thinking? And, and, maybe, and we feel that way. After we've sinned, after we've blown it, what was I thinking? But sin makes us foolish. I heard a story this week of a, uh, a thief. He was running into a coffee shop and he was going to, and he was, his plan was to rob them. Uh, you get all the money out of the till. So he cuts in front of the line with, uh, to, to rob this coffee store. But he didn't notice that the people he cut in front of were two police officers who immediately arrested him. It's like, sin does that. It makes us do foolish things that we don't see. There was another, another individual. He was a professional fisherman. How would you like that job? And I don't mean someone who, who works for a company that processes fish. He's a competitive fisherman. And so he goes and tries to win fishing contests all the time. And so he stuck a weight inside this bass to get it to weigh more so he could win, the, uh, win the, uh, the, the contest. But when they put it in the tank, it sank to the bottom and revealed that he cheated. What was he thinking? See, our sin sabotages us. It makes us look foolish. Moses in, in Numbers 23, and I'm not going to go into all the details why he said this. Again, you can read that on your own as well. But Moses in Numbers 23 said to the people, your sin will find you out. And it does that. These people in Psalm 107, these foolish people who were caught in their sin, caught in their iniquities, were no fans of the Lord. And they bore the consequences of their own sin and foolishness. It said they, they hated food. And if, if you think about what sin does, we think we want something. Sin says, God, I want this over here. I know you want that for me, but I want this over there. I think that's better. I'm going for that. And then God says, okay, let me know how that works for you. And that thing that we desired and trusted and were, you'd say, lusting after or loving, and we say, 
all of a sudden that becomes abhorrent to us. That becomes awful. It becomes like dust in our mouth. Even pleasures become dread. We hate our desires, but we can't give them up. What's the consequence of this person? It says they drew near to the gates of death. Sin brings death. That's one of the consequences of the fall. If you eat of this fruit, Adam and Eve, you will certainly die. Those are the people who need redemption. Well, how were they redeemed? The psalm continues in verse 19. Then they cried to the Lord in their trouble, and he delivered them from their distress. He sent out his word and healed them and delivered them from their destruction. You know what the answer is? You know how you get off the naughty list? Call upon the Lord. You call upon the Lord. This is what we call an act of faith. We say, God, first of all, for starters, and maybe we don't actually say this, but at least we kind of acknowledge it in our heart. Maybe it's a default kind of thing, but we say, there is a God. There is a God. We acknowledge and believe that he exists. And then, and then the next part is, is we understand that our sin is the problem. My sin is the problem. Your sin is the problem. It's not God. Do you ever know people who get, you know, they're speeding and they get pulled over and they blame the cop? You were speeding. He's just doing his job. It's that dumb cop. It's like, dude, you were 20 over the limit. What's he supposed to do? And people, people have to get that idea out of their mind with God that it's not his fault that we sin. It's ours. Our sin is the problem. And a and little bit deeper than that, it's not just my sin, I'm the problem. I am the problem. You are the problem. And, and in so when we call upon the Lord, we're saying, can you do something? Will you do Something. It is again an act and a statement of faith. And they were in a state of desperation. And I've said this to lots of people, but a, a state of desperation is actually a great place to be. Because as long as we have some ammo in our gun, we're going to keep trying to, to do our own thing, trying to draw ourselves up by our own bootstraps. But when we reach the point where we say, I'm, I got nothing else. That's a great place to be. It's, it's with heartache, as I've counseled uh, family and friends who are working with um, their kids or, or nieces or nephews or even grandkids, and they're, they're, they're kind of just sliding down into things in their lives that are harmful and hurtful. And, I, and, and they ask, when are they going to come around? When are they going to come to their senses? And, and I have to, I said, well, hopefully today, but also be real and say, you know what? They, they may not have hit bottom yet. But that is a good place to be to hit bottom. What does God do when we finally say, enough already, I got nothing? It's an act of humility. God dwells with the humble, not with the arrogant. If we think we could still solve our problems, our sin problem, then you're still arrogant. But God dwells with the humble who call upon his name, and he reacts them. This verse says, he delivered them from their distress. Why? Because they deserve it? Why? Because their nature is basically good? No. He'll do this even 
for those who do those seven evil things that God hates. Even the murderers, even the liars, even those who cause discord, he indeed will deliver them from that. He heals them from their sin. I think we look too lowly at sin. We just think it's, oh, I broke a rule. It's more than that. It is a crime against the very nature of God. Why does God hate lying, as we saw from Proverbs chapter 6? Because God's true. Why does he hate people who discord, sow discord among brothers and sisters? Because God is a God of unity. It's against his very person. But you know what else? And this is also one of the motivations why, why God has brought judgment and will bring judgment is because sin is so harmful to, to not only ourselves, but the ones we love. We hurt the ones we love. Whether we, we mean to or not, it's just since we have that nature, at some point we're going to hurt those we love. We're going to damage them as well. And when that, when that grows and grows and grows, and you can see these in the Old Testament, God will say, I, I, I can't stand this suffering anymore. The, the, the pain of all the people will rise to God. What is their son? What, what, what does God also heal them from besides this core issue of sin? Well, you know, he also heals from the consequences of sin. And don't get me wrong. It's not a blank check. Because on one hand, the believer is freed from the consequences of sin and of hell and death. That's a consequence. We'll die. Well, you won't die if you know Jesus. You'll be with him forever. You'll live forever. Your physical body will die, but you'll be with him forever. You're not going to have that spiritual death anymore. And you won't be in hell. That's a consequence of being sinful and sinning. So on one hand, we're delivered from that. But I just want to make it clear. Sometimes there are consequences we'll still have to pay. If you did something illegal and you went to jail, probably good stuff to... Work, you know, uh, uh, complete your, 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 your incarceration. Oh, I became a Christian, I get to leave jail, right? No, you still have to do that. So don't misunderstand. There may be consequences. If we hurt someone else, there's, there may be pain and healing that we have to help them get through. But it also delivers us, heals us from our guilt. I'm not a psychologist, but I, I remember reading that one of the great needs that people have, everyone has, is answering the question, what do I do with my guilt? What do I do with my guilt? Because I'm guilty. And it's not a fun feeling. Well, the gospel, God is the answer from that. He will heal us from that. He also delivers us from destruction, from hopelessness to hope. And even though the situation was all their fault, God will deliver them. So we saw who these people were. They were foolish sinners. How they're redeemed, calling on the Lord. Well, how do you respond? How should the redeemed respond? Remember, it started with let them say so. Verse 21, let them thank the Lord for his steadfast love, for his wondrous works to the children of man. And let them offer sacrifices of thanksgiving and tell of his deeds in songs of joy. Thank him for their stead his steadfast love. 
while he hates these sinful acts, he responds with steadfast love. Now, that term, those two words, steadfast love, is actually one word in the Hebrew Bible. It's a word hesed. And at least in this psalm and in other places, the, the ESV, which is what we, we usually use here, not, it's just the one we pick for our, our kind of general consumption. But they, as far as I know, translate that word hesed into steadfast love. I think each time. I, just, I didn't have time to check out every single time in the Old Testament. But it, it's kind of nice when they do that because now we know. It's like, oh, that's, that's a special word. And that's a good translation. It could also mean to have zeal towards one or kindness or mercy or goodness. But they, they've just consistently translated hesed into steadfast love. In this psalm, it occurs in verse 1, 8, 15, 21, 31, and 43. And you'll see steadfast loves. His wondrous works are not limited to creation here, but his work of rescue, his work of deliverance. And as we said before, over and over again, the deliverance is due not to their worthiness, but due to God's hesed, due to his steadfast love. And so how do these particular people respond, and really all of us? Let them respond and offer with thanksgiving. Now, for the Jewish people, as they were hearing it, they actually had a thanksgiving offering. And so they could physically make a thanks, an offering thanksgiving, of thanksgiving to them. But it's more than just the offering. It's the attitude. To constantly be thankful to the Lord. Thank you, thank you, thank you for saving me. Uh, just this week, um, one of my one of my. No, he's not one. He, he was my favorite professor in Bible school. Not Dr. Needham, Mr. Needham. He's 94. And he's, he's realizing he's, you know, knowing his health and so forth, he's, he's close. And he, a, a former student, in fact, we probably went to school at the same time. He's, uh, he knows how to do videos and sound and all those things. He went, flew to, Dr., to Mr. Needham's house, recorded him of the last thing he's written and recorded. And there's an introduction. So here's this man. He, his, his voice is scratchy, but he still has that same inflection. And he's, the, the one thing that always been in my life is how much he loves me. I'm trying to imitate Dr. Needham. And, and I, could, I could still hear it. I could still remember sitting in his classes and he was just so thankful for God's love. Godly man. He wasn't, he wasn't, you know, the top scholar. He wrote some books that you, you could still find today. But just raw godliness God loves me. I love that guy. That's a thankful heart. But then along with that, it says, and then let them tell of his deeds in songs of joy. You know, we don't sing just because churches do that. I mean, they do. But 
These are, these are pro proclaiming to one another what the Lord has done. Be public, be passionate about what he did. Tim, the late Tim Keller, he just died recently, said, it is not the repentance that causes the Father's love, but rather the reverse. As we repent and see what he's done, we understand that he's already loved us. So here's, here's the big so what in all of this. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. So the question is for anyone, are you redeemed? If the answer is no, you can be. You can admit your sin. You can admit that God despises your sin. You can do that. You can admit that there's nothing you can do about it and you can never make up with it. I don't care how good of a person you are, you will never even come close to paying that off. Cast yourself on his steadfast love, on his hesed. He'll catch you and repent. So if you're not redeemed, you can be. Well, if you are, then what do you do? You say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. You can speak of your salvation. We've, we've at Zion tried to give you helps and hints on how to tell people about the Lord and, and kind of, I'm, I'm real big on that three circle illustration. I think it's one of the best illustrations of the gospel. Maybe someday there'll be a better one. But you know what else you could do? You could tell how the Lord redeemed you. You could say, you could just think before, how, and after is a basic, basic outline. Who were you before? Before you knew the Lord. Like in this passage, I was a fool. I was an idiot. I was dumber than a bag of dirt. And, and explain how and why. And this is how I came to him. The process, how God used that. It's probably billions of different ways God has brought people to himself. And then here's how I'm now different. Three steps. Just as a, a word of advice, keep it about five minutes. But that's how you say so. That's great, but you know, I, I, I'm, I'm 60 now. I came a believer around 16. So yeah, I could tell you my story. But also I want to be able to say, well, what has he done for me lately? Because we're all in process. going to read a longer section here from Colossians chapter 3 about that process of making us more like Christ. Colossians 3, 5 to 10. So just you could read along with me here on the screen. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. Naughty list. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put, put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self in its practices. And here's, here's the new self. And have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of creator of the creator. He is bringing all of those who have been redeemed and say, I'm going to start working in your life and heart to make you more like him. So as we see those things and we identify those things in our hearts and we think, you know, there's stuff you think it used to, used to be a problem and used to be a stumbling point and then you kind of stumble over it again and it's like, oh, when are I going to get over this? 
You know what you do? You repent again. His steadfast love is still there. You need, we need to seek help. We need to be humble enough to seek help. Maybe there's, uh, you know, there's just no Lone Rangers, or there shouldn't be in churches. But we as Americans, we want to you know, be independent, be private, uh, be secret. But that's not how the church should be. be. You know, our old earthly selves, my old earthly self doesn't go quietly. It's going gonna, it's gonna to keep fighting. I remember counseling a, a young man struggling with the addictions of pornography. And he was saying, am I ever going to not desire this? Am I ever going to not like this? And I said, on one hand, no. You'll probably die being tempted this way. But on the other hand, yes. When he completes that process and we see him as he is and even or the, at the resurrection or we see Jesus as he is, absent with the bodies at home with the Lord, we won't have those desires anymore. But folks, the most stubborn strongholds can be defeated. And a lot of you know my story of how those years I struggled with my anger. It's out of control anger. Dumbest things on the earth would make me angry. And I hurt even those that I loved. And I remember, I, re, I remember thinking it's almost like an addiction. And, you know, f- folks who are struggling with a, a physical addiction, you know, like alcohol or drugs or something, sometimes it's so bad and so difficult. Well, they could be admitted into a hospital and literally locked in a room. And I've visited people in those rooms. They can't get any alcohol. They can't get any drugs. They're what we call drying out. And I remember thinking, God, how do I dry out from myself? How do I do that? Cried out in desperation. Put my hands down, my head's down in my hand, and I thought, God, I can't break this. Kind of goes back to that verse. Call upon the Lord in your desperation. Now, I would love to tell you I never had an issue with being angry since that time. But that's where it started. That's where the healing started. The, stru- the, most, stru- the most stubborn strongholds can be defeated. And you and I don't need to suffer in silence or make excuses. We need, and when we experience God's healing and his restoration, we can say so. It encourages other believers. It it declares the power of God's steadfast love. Ah, Look what he's done for me. Along with that, kind of as a side note, we should also embrace trials and difficulty because these things purify us as well from that those consequences, those sinful things. I read this week from A.W. Tozier. In every generation, the people who have found God have found those who come to the end of themselves. Remember that desperation? Recognizing their hopelessness, they have been ready to throw themselves on the mercy and grace of a forgiving God. Share that good news. We do not have a message of just changing behavior or a book of rules or a philosophy we have a message of a changed nature no longer naughty now good 
We come with a solution of great joy. We come with a message of rescue. And that indeed should motivate us to bring good news. Later on, we'll sing, go tell it on the mountain. Go and tell it, Zion. Let's look, spend some time together praying. First of all, let's spend making sure we are praising God that he has delivered us from our sin and its consequences. I don't think we know how stinking big that statement is, how profound. I think one day we might know, but the, the hugeness of that is beyond my mind right now. Maybe there's something specific and you just want to do a one-sentence prayer and say, God, thank you for delivering me from and fill in the blank. And along with that, I pray for an opportunity to tell all people how the Lord has redeemed me. Or maybe you're thinking of someone specifically, maybe someone even to invite next week to our Christmas gatherings. I want to pray for an opportunity to tell blank how the Lord has redeemed me. So let's, let's start applying this passage from one, verse one, chapter 107 in Psalms right now with some prayer. Pray out loud as you like, and then I'll close this in a bit. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Help me to show your love to them. Help me to be able to 
God, I deserve sin and death. I deserve hell. And yet, it is not, it is by your hesed, your, your steadfast love, that there is grace, there is mercy. And I've called upon your name and experienced that. God, even then, all those, all those my, my apathy, my, my, um, my anger, my lust, my pride, you are de- not just delivered me, you've, you are delivering me, even now. And God, more and more, you are working these things out to become conformed to the image of your son. And I have no cause for pride, no, no cause to look down my nose. It is, it is indeed your work uh, that you are accomplishing. And I just pray for us as a church that we would experience that more and more. And God, it's a, it's a, it's a cultural thing. We remember Christmas. We remember the birth of Jesus Christ. Every December 25th, probably not the actual date, but Lord, it's an opportunity to tell people about you. 
And so, God, we pray for boldness. We pray for opportunity, even for the uh, many people who will be here in this building on Friday night to be able to share the hope that is within us. Uh, God, just coming to a meeting, I mean, we could do it on our own, but Lord, there is an opportunity where many people will come in here, where it's one of the few times of the year they might do that. So, Lord, we pray not just for the message and the music, and those are important, but Lord, for the interaction, those one-on-one times, the opportunity to all of us to let us say so. Let the redeemed of the Lord tell what you have done. And Lord, because you, not to point to ourselves, but because you are great. I pray, God, that people will see Jesus. They will not see a religion. They will not see a holiday. But Lord, the goal of our gatherings next Sunday is that they indeed would see a person who has come. In your name, amen. Okay, bad news, you got homework. Don't worry, I'm not going to collect it. Uh, nor will you be graded, and nor will it take you a lot of time. Define a word. The word is incarnate. Okay, you have that? There it is. And it'll be up there. You could write it down. Look in a dictionary. Uh, you, could, you can Google it. You can look in a good old paper dictionary. Uh, if, and just define that for next week. And that will help us all understand what we're celebrating. Um, next week, again, we have our Christmas Eve gatherings, our regular time that we meet. It's at 1030. And then we're also meeting again at 630. They'll be different, different messages. But the 631 is going to be shorter, probably be about 45 minutes total. Uh, and, and geared definitely to present the message of the gospel. Actually, both, both kind of do. But, uh, but primarily that Christmas Eve 631 uh, will be that. I want to thank all of you who are helping with those already, our, our various teams who cause um, uh, the, this whole gathering to happen. And so uh, we have some things to help with that. There are little postcard-sized si- invite cards. They're in the back on the, on the counter there. They're kind of bluish and has the times and everything. So take as many as you need of those. Uh, but also I wanted to, to challenge you to have uh, other people pray. Talk to one another. Hey, would you pray for my friend, my, my coworker, my, my relative? Do that today. Challenge one another to pray for that, that heart, that opportunity to invite people. Let me know. I'd be happy to, to join you in that as well. I mentioned the concert here. Our building is being used by, and I keep forgetting their name, the Katanning Community, Community Band. And uh, so they'll be here, and uh, they're going to, we'll invite people there as well to come and join us on Sunday. But you're invited to come hear their music. Uh, boy, my brain is out. 7 p.m.? Thank you. And. Yes, I'm getting to that. I have that written down. I have, I have chair help written right here. Uh, so they wanted four rows of chairs put essentially in the back. I don't know if it's easier just to scoot everything back, um, but because they're setting up down here on the floor. I don't think they're using our stage. And so they'll be setting up down here. Uh, and so if you can stick around today and help us with that, that would be a big help. I... I I'm wondering if three would be enough because that's almost halfway. Um, so maybe just three. 
Uh, it's just our chairs tend to migrate toward the back as much as I keep trying to push, bring you all forward. Um, so let's just do three, and then we'll let them deal with that as well. Friday night. Friday night, yeah, at 7 p.m. So that's the 22nd, I believe. Following that, we have New Year's Eve. So we have another holiday right after that. And we'll gather together, same normal time, 10.30. We're taking our Rakowski Pol- Polish dinner we normally do early in December and moving it there this year. So Trish and I will bring some Polish food. And uh, you're invited to bring Polish food too. But please bring a dish to share. Uh, we'll have the refrigerator downstairs on if you need to store it. And uh, we'll have some time of worship. We'll talk a little bit about where we've been in 2023 and where God's leading us for 2024. Uh, and, uh, and also spend some time in prayer together uh, uh, on, that, on that day. And then we will eat, uh, which is always fun. And then uh, have our white elephant gifts. So please don't buy anything special but uh, bring a, a something from your home, something, you know, it's been up in your attic or whatever. That's the rule. It has to be something in your home. Yes, you can. Right here, right now. Yeah, um, but I mean, <laughs> who checks? Right? Okay. But, so bring that here. Now, just so it's clear, sometimes people bring, like, one per person. They'll bring a, a white elephant gift per person. That, it, like, if, you're, if your whole family, if you bring four gifts, you're leaving with four. If you bring one for your family, you're going to leave with one, all right? So just be, you know, be on top of that. Uh, and it's a ton of fun, and then, we, you know, we do the whole stealing and exchanging and all that stuff uh, with that. So that'll be New Year's Eve. Uh, we, are, we are excited as far as it's, everything's still, there's a chance it might not happen, but our old bassist, and we appreciate Dave being here, by the way, right, as he's been here. Um, but our previous bassist, Ali Okowski-Arnold, will be here uh, to play uh, for us. I'm excited because it's the first time she and I have ever played music together like that. So worship team, come back up. Uh, hopefully you've all written down the spelling for the word incarnate. And we will continue in our worship.